Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delves into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. With a clear twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Wittenberg. And welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you once again for joining us this month for the Amethyst Oracle. My name is Hi C. I am one of your co-hosts for the evening. Uh, the other co-host, Charlie, will be joining us momentarily. A uh, little housekeeping as we start. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Uh, feel free to like our page, and we're always happy to hear from you with questions, comments, or anything you might have to add to a discussion, thoughts about uh, cards or readings that came up, or anything that you feel you would like to contribute. Uh, we would certainly welcome that on our Facebook page at any time. And you can also get into the queue to receive a reading this evening, as we always do. We offer you the chance to receive a reading during the show with Charlie and High C. I'll talk as if I'm not me. And you can do that by Skyping in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. That will let you get into the queue. You can also Skype in or call in if you would like, uh, if you have a question or if you have something you'd like to contribute to our discussion this evening, because we are doing it a little more like a roundtable discussion uh, rather than just uh, an interview uh, with someone. So we would certainly welcome your input to the conversation if you feel you have something you might like to offer or ask or um, provoke us with. So do feel free to do that. Uh, I am available, just so you know, as we wait for Charlie, if you would ever like to talk to me personally uh, about getting a, a reading or setting up a session for some work, you can certainly do that by sending me a, uh email, hi-c at tarotbyhi-c.net. You can also find me on the web, tarotbyhi-c.net, or you can find me on Facebook, uh, just search for Tarot by High C or just go to facebook.com slash Tarot High C. So there's the housekeeping out of the way. Now let me see if I can bring in my ascended master of a co-host, Charlie Harrington. Are you there, I've Charlie? I've thought of myself as more of a descended master, you know? Oh, well, do tell I'm more of a Stairmaster, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious, what is it that would be a descended master? 
Well, I think it's the descent into madness, really, that helps. I think I that well, once once you're good and crazy, the sky's the limit. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, Hi. how are you this wonderful June? I see. I am doing wonderful. Um, I actually just got back from this weekend. I went down to L.A. My partner, Jeff, uh, was one of 2,500 people riding in the AIDS life cycle where they ride their bikes from San Francisco to Los Angeles over the course of a week. Strenuous. Well, you know, and then there's another like thousand plus volunteers as well. There's a whole little tent city that pops up in different places along the way. Uh, Certainly, they raised a good deal of money. They set a record for themselves this year and raised $16.3 million, which is good. Um, And I'm also pleased to hear that with that organization, uh, only about 27% of the money raised goes towards administrative costs, overhead, running the life cycle and everything else. So that's a mm-hmm. huge 73% proportion that is then distributed to both the San Francisco Gay and Lesbian, no, San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center. Um, Very cool. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you two little interesting anecdotes if i may uh one the 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 top fundraiser this year was a gentleman in the military uh who is stationed in afghanistan and he was doing the ride for the first time this year and usually they tell you send out emails and things to friends family co-workers etc uh you know to ask for donations to you, you send out emails over the few months leading up to the ride, talking about your progress in the training and how much ride you, how riding you've been doing to prepare and all of that. Well, he was a bit challenged because, one, he was stationed in Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, two, it's extremely hot there, like over 100 degrees. Three, I don't know that he can just go out riding his bike around here and there, <laughs> over there. So he was pretty much restricted to training on a stationary bike. And he just came over shortly before the ride started for the ride. So it's not like he came over and had time over here to be training. So he ended up being the top individual fundraiser of the ride and raised $59,000. Now you might wonder how, how did he raise that money? Only about 3,000 of that came from friends and family and that kind of thing. The other 56,000? came from donations from around the world through people that he was in conversation with on Grinder and Scruff. Mm, I wonder what his stretch goals were. <laughs> and every time somebody would contact him, he would send a little mm-hmm. thing back to say hello and then say he was doing the life cycle and then put a link if they wanted to donate. And just from doing that, $56,000 from strangers around the world came in from those dating apps. So I read about that, and I, I really loved that someone was using them so creatively. I think people forget that when Grindr was created, it was thought of as, as you know, like by the marketplace as a social network, and it was tracked as a social network. And I think we're very limited with how we think of it, but um, as a tarot reader, so like, you know, pertinent to the convo, uh, like I've gotten a lot of tarot clients through Grinder. I was just put the word tarot in my profile file on Grinder or Adam for Ad, or whichever I don't know Scruff 
<laughs> it's hard to keep track of them all. Scrubbler, um, Mr. X, Jack, yeah, Grindr. you know. <laughs> and so the first wave of people that you know look at your profile are probably you know looking for one thing. But after a while, you know, in an evening, you sort of you've seen the same number of profiles over and over again, and you're willing to to engage <laughs> in conversation with people. And so uh, people who you know want to tell everything. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it goes to show like if you're creative, there's all sorts of good you can do um, with these apps that are very powerful. It's using just letting everyone around you, and you know, in your fifties, everyone around the world uh, connect. And well, hey, you turn in the dollars. Well, and instead of assuming somebody would say no, go ahead and put it out there. If they do say no, it doesn't change anything, but. They don't have a chance to say yes if you never actually put it out there for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a good lesson in not holding back or assuming people are going to respond in in a certain way versus just put it out there and give them a chance to respond rather than assuming they won't and not even trying. So then I would also like to share with you, I thought, the most, well, touching and heart-rending story. <laughs> Aww. Um, and this was my first year going down the night before the end of the ride and actually going to visit Jeff in the camp and seeing the camp itself. Usually I just go to L.A. when they ride in, but I went down on Friday night and was actually there in Ventura and got to go and and see the camp and everything. So I was there for their announcements at dinner and all that kind of stuff. Um, So there was a a couple on the ride, I think maybe in their like 50s, uh, and... They were doing the ride in honor of their son. Mm-hmm. And last, I want to say it was like end of summer, August, September-ish of last year, their son came home. He was 27. Their son came home and told them that he was gay and told them that he was HIV positive and that he was going to be doing this ride. Four months later, he died. So they asked if they could take his registration spot. I don't think that they were riding the ride. I think they were volunteering, um, you know, mm-hmm. for something else. Uh, but that they were there uh, doing the ride in honor of their son, who had literally just died a few months ago. After them finding out for the very first time <laughs> that he was both gay and HIV positive. So I thought that was the most. <laughs> <laughs> touching and heart, you know, kind of heartbreaking story all at the same time. Mm. And uh, you attended the vigil as well, as I recall. Uh, yes, on uh, Friday night, they have a candlelight vigil on the beach in Ventura oh. every year. Uh, and so It was. And they do it in silence once you leave the camp and go to wait in line. And it's... it's um, done, organized uh, by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Um, And so once you leave the camp to go out to the beach, everyone is silent, and then the sisters are there, and they light your candles to go out, and then everyone goes and gathers in a circle. Um, You know, so you've got a couple thousand people there gathered in a circle just with candlelight in the dark, because dark there on the beach. There's no really any city lights or anything around there where they are. So it it was very... um, very effective. <laughs> and hopefully you were... I think that, uh, I was going to say, um, 
I think. And okay, so it's going to sound like the typical spiritual person thing of feeling like society does is too, you know, disconnected from spirituality. But um, I think that when people have, you know, we don't get to have sort of like big community spiritual experiences unless you're part of a very large church um, or in a small town. Uh, so it's interesting to see people, you know, being affected. I, I saw a lot of people post about that, the vigil and the effect that it has on them because, you know, there's not a lot of outlets for them uh, to to do something like to express that, that sort of the unspoken part, you know. Yes. I don't know if I'm making too much sense. I hope not too much well, sense. Well, no, it, it, <laughs> you are. And it's something that they mentioned, too, is it, it, that um, there's a woman, Lori Jean, who's really well-known. She's the head of the LGBT Center down in L.A., and um, she's always making speeches. She's quite the the character. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the things she was saying is, you know, she's always impressed and moved every year. This is the 20, yes, 22nd year that they've been doing it, uh, something like that. Um, and uh, she's always you know, amazed at how for one week, all of these people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different orientations, et cetera, uh, come together and create kind of a community that represents what the world could be like if everyone was willing to be more, uh, to, to approach life and living in a way that was more about acceptance and giving and just living with other people and wanting to hear their stories and wanting to get to know who is around them rather than the way we have our differences and separations and that kind of thing. And I thought that was very, uh, I quite liked that because it's it's kind of a living example of something of how the world could be rather than just a theory. Mm-hmm. So there you are. That's my grand statement of the evening. And hopefully you are doing well, enjoying life. Trevian, Trevian, getting ready for the solstice. (laughs) Major plans? I'm sorry? Any major plans for the solstice? Yes. I always, I spend a year, I spend a year, (laughs) I spend a week in the Redwoods um, with my Wiccan order. And we, we get very close to nature, you know. But but what's still with good food? So, uh, and I will say, you know, you and I have been together, but um, if you haven't had a chance to perform divination in the forest or in you know, while camping, while in a in, in a wild natural setting, it's it's a lot of fun. So there's lots of other things we do there, but I always like to sneak off and different times and read tarot cards by myself and or, or runes or whatever it is I'm working at at the time. Runes are, are, are pretty interesting in the uh, in the wild places and you can see what kind of animal <laughs> interaction you have. Also, I mean, uh, I try to, I don't know, uh, when you spend that, like when you really sink into the surroundings, uh, augury and, and um, Spiritual sort of, uh, sort of divination by you know signs from animals and different things in nature is a uh, is a lot easier. <laughs> and then just when you get good at it, you go home. Yeah, <laughs> to, keep, you know, to keep you sane. Well, but but hopefully you bring like, some of that back with you. Right on. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe in the form of uh, you know stickers from uh, from the plant. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. No, I'm uh, I mean, I, I, I bring that, 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 that perspective with me. Anyway. And, as you may know, June is Gay Pride Month. It really is. <laughs> so the uh, the Pride celebrations are taking place all over, and uh, we've got Around the world. rainbow flags on Market Street in San Francisco. All kinds of good things. And uh, I believe that there's a little Easter egg on Google if you Google something like Gay Pride. Uh, see what pops up there along the top of the screen that doesn't come up for other searches. Um, uh, now, now you want to go look, don't you? Yeah, uh, I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, and that was kind oh. of the inspiration for what our our little discussion this evening is going to be about, which is talking about this concept of pride itself. You know mm-hmm. what it is, and I think there's a lot of perspectives about pride and how to define it, and whether it's good or bad or that kind of thing. And so we have invited a guest on. Uh, Stella Iris, to join us in just kind of a free-form discussion around pride uh, and what it means and some different thoughts on how to define it and that kind of thing. And we're going to engage in a uh, a process that Rachel Pollack um, created uh, mm-hmm. to, to look at that using our tools of oracular and divinatory choice. Um, so I think that that's going to be very interesting. And as I said at the top of the show, if you would like to call in with a contribution, a comment, a question, a a different perspective on what we're talking about regarding pride, I welcome you, we welcome you (laughs) to do so. Um, You can Skype in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510. Doing that also, if you'd like to get a reading during the show, you can get into the queue that way for getting a reading as well. So, We will be bringing on Stella Iris momentarily. I think we will take a a quick break um, to get her all uh, logged in here to the studio and everything. And once we come back, we will start our discussion about pride.
to the end of historical divination with a queer twist with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L I V E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. And we are back. My name is Hi C. I'm joined by my co host each month, Charlie Harrington. Hi there. Hello. <laughs> and <laughs> Joining us this evening is a very special guest, Stella Iris. Hello. Are you there? Hello, Iris. How are you? Hi, hi, C. I am May well. I call, How are you? May we call you Iris, or do you prefer a oh, different yes, name? Oh, yes, please. All right, That's excellent. Uh, so maybe you can just uh, briefly give the listeners a little insight into your background, who you are, and how you work with Tarot, and what you do, and that kind of thing? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. I am a a Tarot reader for the last 20 years. I was taught by my mother. I was also taught by my mother the ways of witchcraft for the last 20 years. Um, And since relocating to California, I have become a worker at the Sacred Well, which also allows me to do um, public tarot readings, professional tarot readings. And um, and I work with Come As You Are Coven in the Bay Area as well, maintaining my witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us this evening to engage in this informal yet insightful roundelay of conversation. <laughs> well, we can hope, ever- right? Have you ever engaged in a round delay, you, Charlie, Iris? <laughs> I I mean, I might have blacked out and engaged in a round delay once. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't think I. that was the kind of thing a lady spoke about. That's right. <laughs> sounds, well, that's why I, that's why I asked Charlie. It sounds <laughs> French no and very involved. He's no yes. lady. <laughs> um, so the first thing I thought that we would start off with is I was just going to give the dictionary definition of the word pride. And there's a, a couple of them. You know how they are. Uh, so the first one is a high or an inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing, conduct, etc., The second definition, a becoming or dignified sense of what is due to oneself or one's position or character, self-esteem, self-respect, pleasure or satisfaction taken in something done by or belonging to oneself or believed to reflect credit upon oneself. So my first question I would like to pose to both of you is how would you define pride? Gosh, 
So I guess it's got, it's one of those double-edged sword words where um, just the right amount of it is wonderful and feels great. And too much or too little is a problem for everyone, right, Um, uh, in my own life. So, but to me, it is uh, a sense, it's kind of funny, I use the word without, describe the word without using the word, satisfaction. Uh, a sense of self-satisfaction or group, like one's own group satisfaction. So taking pride, you know, you look you, you look out upon a city and pride. It's it's a satisfaction of something that belongs to us. You you know, this is my city and it is good and I'm a part of that and I'm getting excited. So that's a rambly way of describing it. And Iris, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I would agree with some of what Charlie was saying. I always equate the word pride with a sense of confidence Hmm. um, and uh, an ability to accomplish something or maybe just the um, sense of satisfaction or fulfillment at having a certain ability or being able to prove a certain ability. Um, and I think it's interesting when we think about, of course, um, gay pride or queer pride or however you'd like to put that, um, that there's uh, also that sense of identifying with a group and being prideful of that as part of your identity. And maybe having a confidence in your sense of identity might be how I would think of pride. Mm. Excellent. And do, do you ever think of pride in a negative sense or having a negative expression? Well, I have a Leo moon, so I don't often <laughs> think of pride as having too much of a negative connotation. Um, but, I, I mean, certainly someone can be boastful, and you might say they're prideful, that sort of a thing. But I don't tend to use the word actually to be negative. I might say arrogance as opposed to pride. Mm. So... It's it's one of the first, you know, one of the original seven deadly sins before we got the, the 2.0 version two popes ago. And so I thought, well, the, the I wonder what the Christians have to say about pride, since it's one of the, they, they clearly earmarked it as a problem. And so I went to allaboutgod.com, which I've never been to, <laughs> um, but, you know, first time for everything. And they talk about um, pride. The sin of pride is the sin of sins. It was this sin, we're told, which transformed Lucifer, an anointed cherub of God, the very seal of perfection, full of wisdom in heaven, sorry, blah, blah, and perfect in beauty into Satan, the devil, and the father of life. Now, before anyone on the call gets too excited <laughs> with that, I mean, maybe we're on board with that one. But uh, the sin of pride is about preoccupation with self, um, Placing ourselves at the end, at the center of every equation, um, uh, and one whether one way to determine whether or not you are preoccupied with yourself is to evaluate your motives. Take the pursuit, for example. So take the pursuit knowledge. Oh dear, allaboutgod.com. Get get someone in there. Um, if you study hard because that's what the Lord wants you to do, you're being obedient to Him. That's good. That's obedience to God. Or if you study hard because you want to become a teacher so that you can edify others and help them to grow, that's good too. So that there's a non-Lord version. 
that's that's the love for others. But if you study hard solely to amass knowledge for yourself, just so you can say that you know more than everyone else, that's bad. <laughs> so uh, I guess for if I was to sort of pull from that, what the part that I identify with, it's the um, the propensity for pride to dull our sense of compassion <laughs> for others. If I was to go be casting aspersions on pride, which I just did. Well, and and we hear all sorts of phrases and things, whether it's pride goeth before the fall, which actually Mm -hmm. is not quite right if you look at the actual biblical origin of that. Um, uh, It actually says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we have things like proud as a peacock, uh, mm. Or I'm so proud of you, um, or I take pride in my work, uh, you know, and and we celebrate pride. Some people have an issue about that, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, are, are there any particular sayings that you use or that you can think of that seem to color or give a sense of either what you or a particular society or culture might think about pride? I'll and now you like go first. <laughs> <laughs> or I have an answer if you, if you want some more time, Stella. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, where to go? Well, so like the there's a sort of sense of the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the I think pride was sort of overwhelmingly seen as negative in a time when most people were supposed to be more obedient to the group, maybe the church or or, or the, the 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 hierarchy. And I think as we've gotten more um, sort of self focused and self accomplishment focused, and we got Facebook. It's um, it's just more common to see to take to see taking pride in something as being uh, a positive thing. But um, I'm getting away from the question. So yeah, the, uh, the, the there's uh, I think that that bigger they are, the harder they fall. I think that if there's a lot of Schadenfreude for people in watching someone who really puffed themselves up and. Um, maybe a political candidate who is absolutely certain of their victory and counting all their eggs before they're hatched, blah, blah, blah. And seeing them get taken down can, can give sort of a, and, um, and, and I don't know, uh, a non, just sort of a, a sense of, of wicked glee for, uh, <laughs> everyone who got to watch that, that take place. And just, and the part of it is, Knowing that the person, I, I think you mentioned earlier, the, the, the confidence uh, still is a big part of pride, and I think that we can appreciate confidence. But if if sometimes if someone it turns the confidence turns out to be bluster, we we kind of enjoy their demise. Yeah, we sort of feel justified about it, like they got mm-hmm. what they deserved. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's what it's we like. Interesting. Is, mm. I'm just gonna say I think it's what we, we like posting. Bad pictures of celebrities. So, <laughs> but anyway, go <laughs> right. ahead. Um, it's, I, I was thinking about the phrase to swallow your pride, sort of, oh, and yeah. it becomes this 
this thing, you know, if you've had some boasting or you have a certain sense of overconfidence in one area, it's sort of what Charlie was saying. There's a a feeling of um, things being leveled off or equalized again, and you have to sort of take the bitter pill of reality that doesn't match your self-image. So that's interesting. And similar to what Charlie did, although I, instead of looking for religious connotation, I had wanted to look up and see if there was anything regarding um, scientific research or psychological research on pride. And I found um, someone at named Jessica Tracy out of the University of British Columbia. And there's actually a, a video of her speaking on this on YouTube called The Nature of Pride. Uh, and she says that pride is um, a complex emotion closely, in linked, closely linked to self-esteem, narcissism, achievement, and status. Uh, and that it's, it's a natural part of human nature. And Darwin, Charles Darwin, had said that emotions are an evolved part of human nature. But... Um, Jessica Tracy says that recent research suggests that at least one self-conscious emotion, pride, may fit within the Darwinian framework, which means it's something that has evolved as a, a means of survival rather than this innate, because there are some emotions that are considered more innate to just being which like happiness and sadness, which aren't necessarily something that evolved because we need those for survival. They're just this form of expression where she says that research seems to suggest that pride is something that is actually developed and evolved with humans in that way. Uh, And it's because there are two facets to pride. Uh, One is authentic pride and the other is hubristic pride. Mm. Um, And for each of those, pride is linked to a defined status attainment and a maintenance strategy within the species, um, such as dominance versus prestige, um, which seems to suggest that that is indicating that they have evolved separately in order to motivate certain behaviors. Uh, rather than an emotion like happiness, which is just an expression or a response to something, whereas pride is actually developed to evoke a particular behavior uh, within us um, as as part of the species. Uh, so if we take those two terms, I'm curious when you hear that, what would you think of as authentic pride versus hubristic pride? And I know I think both of you have kind of touched on that, but just to to play off of those specific terms, um, where do you think you see authentic pride expressed and displayed, and what would be an example of hubristic pride? Um, I have an answer for that, actually. Um, authentic pride, and this might be, I'm, I am the parent of a young child, and I think that in children, we see authentic pride pretty frequently. You know, the first time they're able to accomplish a task that they otherwise hadn't been able to accomplish. Um, there's a, 
a huge sense of pride. And by extension, I think the parents of those children as they're achieving new things, and really any of us as we achieve new things, um, there is an authentic sense of pride in, in making those accomplishments. Whereas hubristic pride comes from more comparative achievements and, and competitive achievements, more about being the best at something as opposed to the best of yourself, your best self. And do, do, you have a, do you have a thought on how we can catch ourselves, how we can have conscientiousness to notice when we are slipping over the line from authentic pride and saying, I can take pride in what I've accomplished or this work that I've done versus it's now becoming something I use to say and see you haven't done that. Well, I think about specifically like instead of comparing to others, comparing to your own past and working to be again, your best self, you know, if I've got, you know, a 10 minute mile and then, you know, a week later I've got that down to a, eight-minute mile, then I could feel an authentic pride there. But if I'm only uh, only happy about it because you're still stuck at a 10-minute mile, that's a little uh, immature, I would say. Mm-hmm. I like those examples. As a matter of fact, so when I, was, when I was thinking of what authentic pride was, I was thinking of parents and children as well, but I was thinking actually more of the parent Um they don't have kids, but uh, on Facebook, when mm. I see like a post about, you know, a preschool graduation or something like that, I see like I think what I what I think of as authentic pride in that, I think of authentic pride is it's results based or fact based or it's it's just satisfaction in the thing that actually is. So I think taking so so taking great pride in. Um, you know, the your your kid uh, got an A on their, their test or whatever, or they climbed a really big tree. I mean, that, that's you're, all you're doing is taking the pride in what actually is. It took place. It's verifiable. Um, and then my, I guess my example for the hubris, um, you know, for of course when you think of hubris, you think of like Greek heroes who overstepped their bounds and were slapped down by the gods. But I think more of American Idol. I think of those first couple of episodes of American Idol. This is um that uh, or any reality show. You know, people kind of go in with like, "I am going to win this. This is the competition. I, you know, I've got this. I am the winner." And they aren't very good, and they uh, get you know sort of judged off immediately. Um, and I think like well, and, it, and it's because their pride wasn't based on anything real. It wasn't based on anything that they had to show. The talent wasn't there. You know, and it was sort of a lack of awareness of the reality of of their talent in that case that allowed them to um, fall in in a similar way. You know, Oedipus or whichever Greek you know figure they they had an inflated opinion of themselves, like inflated beyond their actual means, and they tried to go toe-to-toe with a divinity, <laughs> and it wasn't real. So I guess that to me, there's the the results-oriented pride of, like, of a well-tilled garden, you know, or a, a well-made meal, or a kid who just climbed a tree, you know, like that, that, that pride in what is, and then that hubris is, the, the, the pride is misplaced because it isn't attached to anything real, 
And this is the sort of thing that leads to devastation and stock market crashes and, you know, things like that. What do you think I see? Uh, well, I, I think that, you know, celebrity examples for me of hubristic pride are like Donald Trump or the Kardashians or something like that. <laughs> because, you know, like with the Kardashians, for example, they're famous for being famous, but I don't know exactly what they, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, yeah, but look, they've, they've, you know, built this empire and they are worth uh, $200 million or whatever, you know, so they have something to be proud of for what they've done. And I'm like, well, but what have they done? <laughs> you know, just because you've made $200 million doesn't mean you've done something that, that, um, could be classified as something to have authentic pride about. Uh, and, um, you know, but I also think of politicians. <laughs> Talk about the epitome of hubris. They they get into these situations and they are very boastful and they talk all about and they think that they have just like done all sorts of things and then they think they have this high road to walk on and, and judge other people from and pass laws that judge other people, speaking of gay pride. Uh, and then suddenly you find out they're doing the same thing that they were judging others or passing laws against other people about doing. And to me, that's that's the, you know, both a clear cut and a very strong example of hubristic mm -hmm. pride because they become so enamored with themselves that they think that somehow they, maybe this is where the, the, the line is, is you slip into hubristic pride when you suddenly think that you are somehow entitled or immune or above what you are holding other people to. Mm. So when we when we talk about like gay pride, what is that pride? What is it that gay pride is being proud of? Well, I think of the very if I look at the very first gay pride, like the photos of like early early gay prides, it's it's a rebellious pride. It's a pride. It's a loving, you know, loving themselves despite the fact that everyone around them, metaphorically, you know, thinks they're just awful, and they've been you know been told their whole lives that they're just awful, and it's. Like standing up and seeing yourself as good, and being able to like look at one another and saying this is this is wonderful, this is great, and I think that most of the like beyond gay pride, like you know, like Women's History Month or Black History Month or you know Cinco de Mayo, all of the like day to celebrate the whatever minority or small group, uh, it's just sort of celeb you know looking at yourself and your accomplishments and and feeling very good about that and very 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 like and, and even today probably i think the reason it still exists <laughs> and needs to exist is um the that it is an act of rebellion i think that some people don't see it that way anymore or if you if you can't see it as in some way as an act of of rebellion you might want feel like it's a bit superfluous or past its time or something like that or unnecessary but it's rebellious to say, you know, I'm proud to be gay or black is beautiful. 
you know, or whichever, you know, La Raza Unida, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> right? Like, Viva La Raza, that's what I meant. <laughs> and and for would, you, Iris, how would you how would you see what 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 is it that gay pride is about? I would well, I actually very much agree with what Charlie was saying. It feels very much like a pride in spite of, like the very mm. thing that someone might shame me for is the thing I'm here to celebrate. And so it is sort of rebellious or even spiteful. Um, and and I think um, of my experiences at San Francisco Pride um, and to a much smaller but still spirited degree, St. Louis Pride um, from before, I have definitely seen that it was a, I, uh, the statement by attending the parade or being a part of a march or demonstration of any kind like that is really just, I'm going to be very publicly who I am and proud of it in spite of what your assumptions might be about me. Sort of a refusal to feel shame. Pride is an antidote for shame. And perhaps that would be an example of authentic pride is Mm -hmm. the willingness to simply step out and say, I'm not going to be who somebody else wants or needs me to be. I'm not going to hide a part of myself just because other people may not agree with it versus I'm and not because I'm forcing it on another or doing it in a way to judge or say somebody else is wrong for who they are, but simply mm-hmm. to say I'm not going to back down or hide in a shadow versus I'm going to stand in the full light of day the same way that everyone else does, to me would be more of a uh, an example of authentic pride versus hubristic pride. Mm-hmm. So to explore this larger concept of pride, um, we thought we might use one of Rachel Pollack's exercises, which is an expansion on, I think, her wisdom readings to some extent, Mm -hmm. because this is about uh, looking at something, not because there are definitive answers, but just to explore it and see what the oracles have to offer around understanding it more. Um, And so... This exercise, which you could apply to to anything in the sense that there are four positions that you could pull or use whatever tool that you use um, in the way that you use it. The first being, what is the benefit of the thing that you are asking about? And then what is the detriment of that thing? And then what is the benefit of the antithesis of that thing? And then what is the detriment of the antithesis of that thing? So here Mm -hmm. we're using pride, and Charlie and I uh, thought that using humility as the antithesis of pride for this particular exercise. So each of us are going to pull four positions from the tools Mm -hmm. that we are using. Um, Iris, do you want to say what oracular tool or divinatory tool you are using? Sure. I have with me the Sun and Moon Tarot, which is uh, by Vanessa DeCourt, and it's a very sweet energy set of cards. I like it very much. All right. And Charlie, what will you be using? I will be using a little combination of things. I'm going to use the um, uh, 
Sorry, sorry it's the Secret Tarot by Nizoli, um, which is kind of an interesting set outside of time, the surreal tarot deck. And I'm also pulling uh, Oum. I won't focus too much on these. I'll just use these for a little bit of inspiration. Uh, Ogum. Oh, I think you're pronouncing Oum. Uh, cards called the Green Oracle by uh, John Matthews. It's a Celtic divination system based on trees. So they're just going to help me focus a little bit on what aspect of the card to be looking at. All right. And I am going to be using the Isis Oracle by Alana Fairchild. Um, and I thought I would do that just because this this oracle always really kind of gives these higher perspective, higher level mm-hmm. kind of insights into things. So I thought I would bring that into the mix. Um, so for the first position, we have what is the benefit of pride? And we will start with you, Charlie Harrington. Well, me. All right. It's interesting. Okay. I got the eighth of pentacles is the benefit of um, pride and the OM card that I had was uh, the birch tree, which the the meaning of the birch tree is a good beginning. So I'm going to focus on that. And to me, the ace of pentacles, um, and okay, and the trick with this technique that, um, or at least I was, was described when I learned it is sort of, it's easy to fall into sort of a um just sort of like a like as a like a, as an intellectual exercise kind of like fit the square peg into the round hole in a creative way and so it's 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 good to spend some time and um go for the non obvious <laughs> or try to or at least try not to use the cards to confirm something you already believe that's the one thing I wanted to say about the technique but I got to the ace of Pentacles and it's um so pride gives you a firm foundation. When you do something in a state of pride, in a state of self-love, in a state of um, of of um, self-satisfaction, it is a thing that will be done well. And to me, that Ace of Pentacles or the Ace of Coins is about beginning something in a very solid way and with the, the pride kind of permeating your being when you begin something. You're going to um, give yourself the best chance for success. And if anyone's ever been to a, whatever your group is, pride celebration, um, there's a feeling of afterwards of, of like you can do anything and, and you, you can begin anything well. So to me, Ace of Pentacles, the, the one of the one of the best things about pride is that one, it makes you solid and it allows you to accomplish things in a better way. And Iris, what is it that has come up for you? Um, I pulled the emperor um, for the benefit of pride. Um, And the simple answer there seems to me to be um, um, authority. If you have, um, you know, that sort of authentic pride that comes with um, success or a string of successes or a reputation, um, then you can move through the world with a sense of authority. You become someone that uh, others rely upon. Um, to be a beneficiary to them as well. And so um, authority and influence can come from pride. 
And then what I have pulled here for a benefit of pride, the benefit of pride is um, it's called the wings of Isis, uniting with the angelic self. And this is about coming into greater alignment and understanding of our higher self, which in a sense says, who am I at my fullest potential? And how do I live that way and act that way in the world? And generally, this is a card that will cultivate things like fearlessness, compassion, service to others, because it's a recognition of I, I'm an unique individual of divine origin or divine substance or from a, with a divine core. And therefore, I can stand tall and stand strong in knowing that and being that and not try to conform or lose that sense of identity or purpose um, in order to avoid judgment, etc., by others. And so it allows us to be proud of who we are. I think I found this to be such an apropos card considering we're talking about like gay pride and stuff because it really is saying this is who we can be at our fullest potential. And it made me think of what I said about the, the AIDS life cycle that the woman from the LA um, center said is, you know, we can take pride in the fact that we have exhibited an ideal and now it gives us something to strive for and shows us that it can become a reality, which to me I see in the cards that both of you got. The Ace of Pentacles is about making that real. Um, and that Emperor card is about taking ownership for how do I not just let this be all talk or just an idea about how do I now make this a reality um, rather than being proud of how I see myself in my head, let me be proud of what I have been able to do and who I have been able to be in the world rather than simply be proud of lip service or vaporware of who I am. Well, um. and also um, that it, you know, let me make this a reality more than just for this one weekend when I go and march in the city. What if I let this be the reality every day? Right. And that's really what this card says too, this Wings of Isis card, because this is about kind of that stepping into that higher self and that's who I am at all times rather than I have to be, you know, on a special mountain in deep meditation for three months with a particular guru saying certain mantras in order to be, you know, that higher self person versus it's always there and I can always be that. I just have to have the pride to recognize that's who I am and both be okay with that and then act in that way rather than getting allowing that to get lost. Very lovely. Any other and I, Well, I and I think that um if I recall correctly the the companion book for the I love I love the Isis oracle and um there's an exercise uh with the, with the wings of Isis of um this or with Isis magic, but um, where you are, you do a breathing technique, and you imagine that you stretch your wings up to the goddess, and you can kind of and you connect with her, and it, 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 you feel very mighty when you do it, and feeling that that connected, uh, that present with the divine, uh, does does make one feel pretty capable. Hmm. Yes. So now let us look at 
what might be the detriment of pride? Why, yes. Um, and for the detriment of pride, I have the star card. And star is normally lovely, but here we can see that it is not. The star card in um, in uh, the, 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 the OM card was blackberry, in which, which is telling me to focus on what is being gathered, what is being harvested, which is the meaning of the, that, that particular tree. Um, the thing about the star card that is a problem is hope can be a great obstacle, um, especially um, I love uh, the writings of John Michael Greer, the, uh, the art steward report. He writes about the environment, and he talks about crackpot optimism. Um, and that is just the, the, the feeling that things are going to get better uh, and things are going things will become better uh on their own or ever you know you know just that 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 something is coming along to save us sometimes the star card can represent a, a person feeling very deeply connected with the divine to that limitless source of the divine and and kind of feeling like a little bit out of touch with their own reality of their situation um Sometimes if you're giving a reading and the star card comes up and you tell them what it means and they think, oh, okay, great, so everything's going to be fine. And you think, warning, warning, <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. Um, also, the star card is very vulnerable. This, uh, usually the, the, the person, the people have sort of interpreted the, the nude figure in the star card as uh, sometimes we're, while we're healing, we're in the process of healing, we're at our most vulnerable. Um and I think that is very true. When you when you are full of pride, it is very easy to not see your blind spots. And um, that pride cometh before the fall metaphor that Heisey mentioned earlier, which actually was pride cometh before destruction. Uh, usually, people it's it's when you when you have a great sense of hope when you're feeling like like all is being made right is where it's very easy to take a step too far. And to plummet. So the problem, so just to sum it all up here, <laughs> the problem with pride is that it can cause us to be divorced from reality and it can put us in a precarious place where we can be harmed. All right. And Iris, what is it that is come up for you from the sun and moon tarot? Um, well, I think very fittingly, the Hierophant is what has arrived as a <laughs> message about the detriment of pride. And um, um, even within this deck, the, the Hierophant is um, its interesting because he's uh, alone here instead of having, say, acolytes to serve him. Um but what I really see in this hierophant, this message, is that there's a, a, a missing of the forest for the trees, or rather maybe the um, placing the ego above the mission, I think, tends to happen. And instead of being able to um, centralize the, the, the thing that we're proud of doing, whatever that mission might be, um, we start to centralize that sense of pride and begin to think of that as an end goal in and of itself, as opposed to um, making the accomplishment or doing the work, you might say, with air quotes. Um, 
to uh, allow us um, too much pride or pride taken to the wrong degree can really centralize ego as opposed to centralizing progress or the ideal. And it makes me think of something that we hear a lot of lately. Um, and I'm struck by the fact that you say that the image on the deck there has the hero font alone rather than mm-hmm. that more traditional image where you see the, the acolytes kind of at his feet or his knees or whatever. And um, and nowadays you seem to, you know, you get these people this that have this pride, like the CEO of a company that makes $80 million in a year. And they act as if they are so deserving of that because look at the profits the company has made and look at how the company has grown and look at the market share that we have or whatever it is. But they say that as if there's nobody else that works in the company, as if, as if it's all about them and they didn't need mm-hmm. anyone else to make this accomplishment. Therefore, they certainly are entitled to that $80 million, even if it means we had to lay off some people or people aren't being paid enough to even earn a a, a living um, where they live in the company, you know, and that card really struck me that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And what came up from the uh, Isis Oracle, I'm sure Iris will love this one, (laughs) is that the, the detriment of pride is the brother in darkness and overcoming negative energy with feminine power. That's a real problem. Are you typecasting me? No, no. Uh, But you know, may the matriarchy rise, I'm sure, that this card says. Um, She has already risen, my friend. Oh, okay. (laughs) You didn't get the memo. Sorry. I didn't, but my email was down for maybe a couple of days, so maybe I it was in there. Um, and you know, this this card is all about recognizing when there is negative energy around us coming towards us that may affect us or affect our world, or that we are buying into and now allowing to affect us, and we're taking it on. Or there is negative energy that comes from us that we are not properly working with. So the negative things that they were coming from within us can be fear, anger, um, jealousy, you know, hatred, whether it's turned towards ourselves or other people. And it's when we, and you know, I liked when Charlie said about the, the plummeting idea, because we, we do tend to descend and plummet into these darker places. And then we start to operate from there rather than recognizing, A, that there is a way out, and B, that we don't have to choose, and it is a choice, to operate from that place. And so it's it's a card that reminds us about, and I think that Perhaps pride tends to come in in a negative way when we start to lose faith, when we are lacking in courage or confidence. And I know that might sound odd, but I think a lot of times the negative aspect of pride is an overcompensation. Mm -hmm. Um, So if somebody really has a lot of self-hate or self-loathing, 
then they become a politician that passes laws against people that are just like them, but they hate themselves so much, they allow that to be with their driving force. And then they overcompensate by taking pride in getting elected and being able to get a law passed, even though that law is not one of love and compassion um, and and recognizing that everybody is, that, that we're not individual really, that we're all interconnected in some way. And, and that, here is kind of that definition or that idea of the feminine power is that the recognition of that interconnectedness uh and um so and I found it very interesting that the card that came up here the image on it has set which is an egyptian mm-hmm. god um mm-hmm. who on the one hand a lot of people see is the what the devil the christian devil was modeled after um mm-hmm. but also represents chaos and anarchy and the storms i mean in some of the mythologies you know he's the one that kills uh osiris uh and cuts him up into pieces um but it's 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 not trying to be over prideful as a way of trying to ignore or resist necessary change and to me, when it says uh, overcoming negative energy with feminine power, we often think of the feminine as receptive. And so it's allowing ourselves to accept, to be okay with, and to figure out how to operate with rather than to get stuck in it's my way or the highway or I don't like that, mm-hmm. therefore I'm never going to be open to it uh, mm-hmm. and I can't embrace it in some way. And so that to me would be some of the detriments of pride that come up from this card. I like what you pointed out about the uh, set being a sort of like the shadow figure. I think that pride has a lot to do with uh, when, when, when we uh, are doing shadow work with ourselves or when we're projecting onto other people, projecting our shadow onto others. And I think that when that comes up as sort of cognitive dissonance, when you're looking at, a, like an, like at any kind of polarizing issue, so you can have pride for your side of the the issue. And it's very easy to demonize um, other, you know, the other side as um, being the, abs- the ab- you know, the absolute antithesis, the, the, the great, the, the, the great darkness of life. And so, I don't know, something that I happen to like, like gay rights, um, I've noticed uh, let's see the internet, which is sort of the, the glass bottom boat of humanity. Like people on my side of the issue will often just if someone speaks against it, they we we can't just say we disagree with them. We have to demonize that person. This person is awful. This person is uneducated. This person is hateful. This person wants to throw everyone in a wood chipper. You know, like that kind of it. It's sort of this weird um, self shielding, you know, process. The the, the sort of like. So, you know, survival process people do with projection and uh, that sort of set projection, uh, you know, onto others, onto the, you know, seeing seeing the devil everywhere else, basically, I guess is what I'll say. And so from there, (laughs) we move to ask the question, what is the benefit of the antithesis of pride, which we will call humility? Yeah, well, yeah. Now, what is so great about humility? I'll tell you. For, well, um, 
the the Oem card is is the white poplar, which uh, one of the meanings for it is the animating force of life, and it really relates to the tarot card I pulled, which was the magician, the animating mm-hmm. force. Um, the magician and I. So looking at that. Um, with the, 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 the tree card kind of pointing to what aspect of the card I should look at it's sort of the magician's table is very balanced and because the magician's table is balanced um, it has the opportunity to create just about anything and so I think if you're in a place of humility like in a, a place of healthy humility you're starting out on an even footing with everyone around you. You are in balance. You and you are able to find resources um from those around you because you sort of your humility allows you to sort of reach out to the collective. In um it's interesting that so above it I have that ace of pentacles which was what was so great about um Pride, and it's interesting. I was I was talking about um, oh, it gives you a firm foundation to move forward, but it kind of gives you when you're working in the pride, it kind of gives you a firm foundation to move forward in one direction, whereas the magician is able to pivot. So, for me, hmm. humility, um, because you are open to the collective, because humility. I, I part of what I think is about humility is sort of seeing everyone, you know, yourself no better than anyone else. You're really open to other ideas and other possibilities. So there's a limitlessness to humility that I find just fabulous. And Iris, what has come up for you as the benefit of humility? Well, I want to make a quick statement before I actually say that. Um, One of my um, goddess sister friends um, has this uh, concept of pride and humility, and she actually believes that um, true pride, or maybe to use your term, I see authentic pride, is exactly the same as authentic humility. That Ooh. you have a just a genuine understanding of your abilities and your accomplishments, and what you can and can't do, or what you will or won't do, and there, it's neither boastful nor embarrassed either way. And so when when you talked about them being polar opposites, I thought that that was fascinating, and I thought that uh, Molly Blue Dawn would, I hope she hears this, because I think <laughs> that she would take it as food for thought. Um, but that all being said, continuing with the exercise, um, I've uh, pulled the Princess of Wands. Ooh. Um, and she is um, the absolute picture of potential, and I would say that the benefit of um, of humility is that it's all potential. There's no there's no ego to protect in a state of humility. There's no um, worry about how this might affect your reputation. Things can only move up if you're in a state of humility. And there's also um, a fair bit of energy to go ahead and build a reputation or a sense of pride or a sense of confidence. And so there's uh, motivation without, um, let's see, without that need to defend something or that need to even necessarily define yourself in that way. And I think that that's going to uh, speak very much to the card that came up for me as well, 
because the um, the card here is called Stay True and Be in Your Power. Uh, yes. And it's very much a card that is about recognizing that we have the choice and the freedom to be self-determining and that we have sovereignty over ourselves no matter what other people or society or whoever might try to say otherwise. But the humility aspect comes in there. I think this is important in the sense that it uses the word power, of being able to stand in who you are and and be that in the world without the need for imposing that on other people, convincing others that you are somehow right, in some way, uh, you know, it's it's about avoiding things. Sorry, it's about avoiding things like dogmatism, uh, judgment on others because they are somehow different, or perhaps even that they don't agree with who you are. But we don't have to turn around and then become combative towards that. Versus saying, "Well, I'm just going to still go ahead and live my life accordingly." Now. Power also comes in when it says be in your power to say when I recognize there are things being done that takes that sovereignty and self-determination away from either myself or other people, then I will also stand up and challenge that. Humility doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to just be walked over or to just let other people do what they want, even if it's at the expense of others, as long as it's not affecting or hurting me personally or directly. So it's it's this importance of knowing who we are, but not needing to flaunt that or use that as a weapon to bludgeon other people into being uh, how we want them to be, or, or even to accept who we are. Uh, and it's the the willingness and the the awareness to recognize that sovereignty and self-determination applies to every single person, not just to us. <laughs> um, and so we honor that and we stand side by side with them in whoever they self-determine and, and choose to be, rather than feeling as if we need to somehow wield power. And I think that's where the antithesis, or that's where the 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 shift would be between humility and pride here it may be saying that pride is when we would start to slip into thinking that we have to somehow use that power to overwhelm, overcome, uh, perhaps to minimize or dismiss in some way. Whereas humility says, this is simply who I am. If you're coming to the table as who you are, I'm willing to meet you there. I'm not expecting you to be anyone other than who you self-determined to be at the table, nor do I come to the table if you're going to say that I don't have the freedom and choice to determine who I am at the table as well. But if we can meet each other as who we are, then we can move from there side by side. Otherwise, I will utilize my power to step away or to block if somebody is doing something that is somehow... uh, against others in some way. Ooh, I really resonate to some of the problems you just mentioned <laughs> when uh, <laughs> there when you were talking about um, 
So when you know who you are, you don't have to bludgeon everyone else with it, you know? And Or when you have, like, I don't know, like, I think it's easy to have a spiritual experience or, or a profound experience and then kind of want to foist that on everyone around you. Um, to, I don't know, so you receive some aha moment from um, from the divine. <laughs> and you just, you feel like everyone needs to not only hear, but like completely embody, now embody like the truth that has been revealed to you, which is um, kind of crazy. But so, but as you risk, I'm describing, uh, to, to have humility in that moment, a real a true, a true sense of, of self, there's no need for such uh, extravagances. Well, and, and so then how would we respond to people who say about, let us, for example, use a gay pride parade and mm-hmm. say, well, I don't have an issue about who they are, or what they do, but why do they need to flaunt it in public? Why do they need to put it on display? So is is, is the, the pride parade and celebration exhibiting a certain sense of humility and that sense of self-determination and sovereignty? Or is it stepping into a more detrimental aspect of pride, of trying to put it in other people's faces and force them to come around to acceptance of something that perhaps they don't? See, I think... But a gay pride, you're preaching to the converted normally, you know, like you kind of assume the people who are going to attend are going to enjoy it. And so when I hear someone ask that question, like, why, what is, why does it, why do they need to put that out there? They're sort of adding themselves into the equation as the observer and wondering why, you know, this thing that I'm getting probably a little out there. Uh, it's not for that person. <laughs> it's not for you. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's, we didn't put this on for you. It's, we put it on for us. And, um, you know, I think people bristle at anything. I noticed, like, people bristle, like, around um, any, any. I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with gay pride. But uh, the, 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 the sort of sense of, like, having to insert yourself into everything you experience and deciding, you know whether how you relate to that or not and so it's sort of if it's if it's if it's for us if it's for if it's pride is for gay folks feeling great about being gay and and could be done you know if you know if a, if a gay pride happens in the forest and there's no straight person around to hear it did it really exist yes <laughs> like you could, <laughs> we could do this entirely you know the whole thing the feathers the catering everything without any straight people needing to participate so that's not entirely true, but I'm glad they do. <laughs> but like it could, it doesn't. It's not for anyone else. I just I, went I everywhere. Can you save me from that, Stella? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, well, I just want to say that I actually completely agree. Um, my experiences uh, participating in the Dyke March, in particular, in San Francisco, mm. um, I've very much had that moment of. You know, someone walks up to me and says, well, why Why do you feel the need to be here? And I'm like, well, I'm not really sure why you feel the need to be here, sir. Um, <laughs> quite honestly, this is, this is really quite not about you at all. And so um, even being asked the question, I suppose, you know, this might be a, it might come off as hubris to say, well, it's not, you know, I don't need to explain this to you because I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me, for my sisters, for all of the people here. Um, but it's, 
I don't think that it is hubris. I think that it is a um, sort of a staking of uh, space and a reclaiming of a sovereignty that has already been taken away by greater society, you might say. Um, not to put the blame on one group of people or another, but um, there are certainly some folks, especially at the Dyke March, who just come to watch and ask questions. And uh, it, it very much resonated with me when you're like, well, it's not really for the people that would even bother to ask that question. <laughs> right on. Well, and I think you make an important point because it is about something that perhaps has been taken away in some way. And and it really is that reclaiming of self-determination and sovereignty that mm-hmm. the the pride celebrations represent because the as Thorn Coyle would say the overculture has in many ways taken away and imposed circumstances and situations and in, and an environment where that ability to be self-determining and feel as if you have the sovereignty of the self has been taken away uh, and impeded and and we could certainly apply that to things you know like women i mean certainly mm-hmm. you know women and women's rights and especially when it comes to health care and their bodies and things is constantly being battled even today unfortunately and it's and it's it's because those things for self determination and sovereignty of what a woman chooses to do with her body is is taken away not because <laughs> it's like but I think that's where the importance of these uh, kinds of celebrations or events, whatever you want to call them, really start to come in is, as you were saying, Iris, the the, the reclaiming aspect that really I think is a big mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is, I mean, that is the my main motivation in participating. It's not just to, you know, stand up and say, hey, I'm, you know, a I'm a not straight person. And I want to hang out with more not straight people. Um, but it's also um, a, a really a sense in, in your example in particular, Heisey, of here I am as a, as a woman um, in the company of primarily women who I can trust to primarily care about me. And there aren't that many spaces in the overculture or the mainstream society where you can get a majority of women who you can probably rely on to care about you and keep you safe. So that's just wanted to touch on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now I think we've started to see glimpses of, of some of this, but uh, going to our final card or other tool, what is the detriment of humility as the well, antithesis of pride? Humility is a real problem, I see, I have to tell you. Um, the well, card that indicated the uh, what, what to focus on, the, the OM card, was uh, the fern. And one of the meanings uh, for fern is the search for truth. And um, I got the king of cups is the real problem of humility. And I think of at, at its worst, the king of cups just is sort of like an ineffectual therapist who wants everyone to feel good and to feel the, the the king of cups is very focused on other people's emotions because uh, I feel like so whereas the queens are sort of sort of self-awareness and self-actualization of the element the kings are sort of the external actualization of the element and when it's a problem 
for that King of Cups, when you're trying to make everyone happy and you're trying to take care of other pe- everyone else's situation, which is like the humility where you're no longer the magician seeing yourself as equal to everyone else, when you're actually seeing yourself below everyone else or that, that everyone else's needs are more important than yours um, and that a good person will will focus on the others completely, you know, and, and, and give and give and give and, and give. Um, then there's nothing left for yourself. You know, there's no there's no uh there's no reciprocity in that power dynamic. So to me, the King of Cups, the um who kind of at at the worst is just um, trying to put everyone put everyone else on pedestals and dig himself, you know, a deep pit <laughs> to throw himself into, um, because that is what is good. That is what we what maybe a King of Cups type was taught is is good in life, and that what you should do. And it's that sort of again, that's the projection of the shadow. Well, a good person would have humility in this situation and love the world enough to take care of everybody else and be, you know, and uh, become a martyr. Well, but is that, is that true humility if someone is becoming a martyr? Because oftentimes that's wanting to have the drama in order to garner the sympathy and have people notice, look how much I'm giving and, oh, you know. Well, there's, so there's that, that that sort of Pharisee, <laughs> to use the Christian way of doing it, of like, oh, everyone, look over here. I'm don't, you know, I'm giving, I'm taking care. Of, but I think it's possible to really believe that um, everyone is better, or everyone else is better, or I'm supposed to devote all of my time to the other. Um, uh, that having true compassion would be just only working on the needs of others, and that can lead to burnout. So even without that sort of so I hear what you're saying that, that it it could be its own form of being a martyr can be its own form of pride, but like even a uh, even a real martyr <laughs> can be in an unhealthy humility state is what I'm saying. But but there, what we might see though is that the detriment of humility is when we fall into the trap of trying to call something humility that really isn't. So I mean, if humility is not I don't know. So if 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 pride is you know self satisfaction, um, you know, and and humility is sort of not wanting to put yourself above anyone else. I could definitely see. Um, it's the person who who like wants to hold the door open for everyone else, and they can never enter the building. But doesn't that mean that you're putting yourself below everyone else? Which, if we go back to what we're talking about as the benefit of humility, it was mm-hmm. about owning mm-hmm. our self, uh, you know, our self determination and our sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So we're not yeah, denying think... ourselves. Whereas what you're talking about is I'm going to lesser lessen myself by mm-hmm. seeing myself as lesser than everyone else. Well, I hear what you're saying. So if it's if I if I if I get a little less dramatic about it, then. Um... You seeing oh, <laughs> let's see what happens, everyone. Uh, no, okay. Well, if if humility is at least, or, uh, well, if if we, if humility was to be defined as sort of seeing yourself um, the same as everyone else, then I think it's easy to focus on everyone else and not on yourself. I mean, I think a, a problem with hum, uh, humility types 
is that they never um, get to work on their own talents or they never get to really shine at the thing that they would like to, to do because the sense of humility doesn't allow them to sort of step out of the crowd. And I think that they tend to like become sidekicks to everyone else in their life. And in that, that, so I relate to that King of Cups wanting everyone to feel good, um, wanting to take care of others. Does that make a bit more sense? Sure. I mean, it all made sense. Well, it can't all have made sense, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But how about for you, Stella? What did you, what what was revealed to you about the problem with humility or the detriment of humility? It's interesting because the the last few things that you said really were picking up on what I pulled out of my card, which was the uh, five of cups and um, that feeling of um, you'll never know if you don't try. Um, and if you, if humility goes to sort of its, its nth degree, you might say, then mm-hmm. humility can keep you from even reaching for any sort of height. Um, and not only will you be denied the experience or disappointed in the experiences you do have, um, but being denied the experience of achieving greatness, but the world is actually denied your greatness. And mm. the um, abilities that you might be able to manifest or the the heights you might be able to reach that might inspire others, um, sort of a, a not – it's what happens if you line up all the dominoes but never actually tap that first one over. <laughs> you know, yeah, how that... do you get to a place of inspiring other people or doing for the world if um, you're stuck in a place of humility that says, I'm not allowed to be that big, I'm not allowed to be that great, it would be improper for me to be that much of an example. Yeah, that Five of Cups has that self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of itself. Exactly. Of like that Eeyore kind of personality. (laughs) Very much much that Eeyore, I I could do it, but it wouldn't work out, so it's just better if I don't. It wouldn't probably be that good. Oh dear. Oh dear. Thanks for and, noticing me. And, and what I what I kind of have heard both of you saying is a um a tendency towards losing yourself mm-hmm. in in the mm. need or the desire to be what everyone and everything else needs of me and needs me to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, Iris, my I immediately flashed on that traditional kind of Rider Waite Smith image of the Five of Cups, which has that person standing there. You, really, you can't even see their face because they're in this black cloak with a hood, and they're just covered completely. And it immediately made me think. And I know I'm on dangerous territory here, but it immediately made me think of the symbol that the burqa now represents in not allowing certain people to have their greatness be seen by the world, of having to be covered up and hidden away as if somehow they are not worthy enough or good enough or enough to be seen and shown to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. <laughs> I, it, it's interesting to me, and of course I'm a... I'm a Western woman, and I don't necessarily know 
um, all of the things about the burqa. But I also I often think actually that it's you are too much to be seen, hmm. as opposed to not enough. It's still still judged for being overly tempting or overly flamboyant in some way, and therefore mm-hmm. too much, but still not allowed to be seen because you're not right for this world. I think it's interesting that they're both cups cards that um, that you and I pulled from the tarot, just because cups, you know, water is wonderful, but water, um, I was going to say water can't hold its own shape. It can. It can mm-hmm. turn into ice. But <laughs> um, mm-hmm. water and the uh, sort of the magical as idea of water is that it's it doesn't really um, it can't really stand for itself. Mm. The, the cup suits cup suits very you know the emotions it's, it's the, the the there's a lot of yeah an inward process that can bog one down. Well, water takes on the shape of whatever is allowed to contain it. Yes. Even mm-hmm. even ice will take on the shape of whatever is containing that water as it's freezing. Mm-hmm. So does it have self determination? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess and it's using what it allows to be contained. When, when you're when you're trying to be humble, you're trying to sort of fit in. Often, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, although now I'm thinking of uh, what was the Charlotte's but Web? Think, the last word is humble over the pig. But do you, know? but do you think? Do you think? <laughs> Do you think trying to fit in is true humility? Yes, because I think that it is sort of seeing to true. Well, I think true humility can, as we're learning, like, you know, anything can be good or bad. And too much humility doesn't allow yourself to ever kind of, of be seen or be noticed or stand above anything else because the value is placed on not doing that on, on keeping things equal. I think of the um gosh, what's is the Robert Frost quote um a liberal is a man who is too broad minded to take his own side in a quarrel. Um which I had to look that up while we were talking. But um the, the Bob Dole, you know, is that that a liberal is a guy who's too who won't even take his own side in an argument. Um and I think that that search for truth, um that kinda was indicated by the the fern card. Uh if when you have humility, you can't even trust your own answers or your own thoughts, uh, or well, true humility. If you have too much humility, <laughs> you know, you can't even um, really believe in yourself as as completely separate <laughs> from it, from from anything. Well, but I think true humility would say I can see myself as completely unique and separate, but I also see myself as a part of, not greater or better than, mm-hmm. but also not lesser or weaker than. And so mm-hmm. I play an important part of being a component of this fabric rather mm-hmm. than I have to completely lose myself. And it makes me think of people like that lose themselves in a relationship or you know, lose themselves to their work or something, and they lose that sense of who they are. And mm-hmm. and doing that is not humility, whereas humility would say I can be unique and separate while at the same time recognizing I'm a part of and not lose that sense of self. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of see them as too much or too little and just right. You know, I think that the just right amount of humility is, 
you know, the, the, you know, being that sort of centered person who sees himself as they are and loves himself as they are. And that, that, that's sort of like the, the just enough, but taken too far and in the, in the direction, if you just keep, keep going with that emotion or that, that pursuit of, of, um, of being humble, I think it, it and, and you just, and you leave behind like the, the, what, what is a reasonable amount of that, then you get into trouble. Same thing with pride. I think like I think there's like the right amount somewhere, and it's it's hard, and it's a dance, and I think that's why. Um, and some people it's, will you know will will vacillate, but I think if there's there's a right amount of of pride that it, you know as uh, self, at the beginning of the episode talked about confidence. You know, there's sort of like that's like a, that's a good amount of pride, and it's just sort of when it gets taken to the extreme. <laughs> we we could say that humility is. Fluid, since both of you got cups cards, you see. Yes, but we're, we're not allowing you to talk about your card, I see. What did what was revealed to you from? Well, I didn't want to step on any toes. I was just humbly <laughs> humble of you. How very humble. Um, so the card that came up is called the Chariot of Ascension, Ooh. spiritual work of the higher initiate. And it's symbolized by the Merkaba. So here, in response to this very particular question of what's the detriment of humility, this to me would be the the, the false representation of humility. It's kind of going back to what I had said earlier. This false representation of humility in order to actually build myself up and show how somehow I am superior. Mm-hmm. So, it would be the person who has a friend come and ask them if they might be able to offer them some advice and assistance about a situation going on in their life. And it has to do with, um, you know, trying to figure out how to best deal with this difficult relationship situation that they're in. And then their friend says, oh, well... I just don't know how to relate or help you with that because I've just come back from three months on retreat with my Buddhist master and I just don't know how to deal with those more mundane earthly things anymore (laughs) because my training and enlightenment has elevated me to a new level. Or the person says, I'm just exhausted and I don't know that I can go out to dinner with you tonight because I've already had to help heal three people today and Four others I've had to help retrieve their souls and, you know, whatever it is. But it's just this thing of they think they're being oh so humble, like, look at what I've done for these other people. Look at what I've put myself through in order to become more enlightened and wise and spiritually. What really they're saying is I'm spiritually superior to you, so there's no way I could possibly understand how to relate to your more mundane, earthly, unenlightened concerns. Mm. Ow, an example of that that just brings to mind is um, Mother Teresa and the information that people have been sort of uncovering or speaking out about more uh, in recent years, that you know, Mother Teresa to so many people was the, like the ultimate in compassion and taking care. And look how much she was able to accomplish. But when you pull it back, sometimes that sort of 
you find that there's like the dark undercurrent of what was going on and that she could be very cruel to the poor that she was trying to help, that she thought that what they really, that the suffering was an important part of what she was doing. And there were things that she did to sort of keep people in a state of... It was horrifying when I read it because I just thought, who, this, but this person, she was so, you know, above everyone and she was so, so compassionate, so kind and so, you know, um, you know, but also, you know, hoarding money and, and keeping people in a negative situation. It was like very terrifying. I think a lot of people who like to put themselves out there as being very good hide like the weirdest, most twisted things. But going back to something we were saying earlier, the word that you used there, she was not above mm-hmm. everyone else. It's it's one, the willingness to see that everyone is at the same level, basically. I mean, in a sense, we're all the same. Therefore, people just regard for me anyway regardless of what other people have done or accomplished doesn't mean that they are now above or superior or um greater than anyone else their accomplishments we can appreciate and we can acknowledge and we can celebrate but that doesn't mean that because they have a phd and are now have you know that they, they came from poverty and they are now now got their phd and now they are a, an esteemed professor at the university doesn't mean that they can now look down upon the janitor as mm. somehow lesser than them because of what they have accomplished and look at where they started and came from and now look at where they are versus no 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 that janitor is actually the same as you and and that to me is the detriment of humility is when it slips into humility becoming a reason for either feeling superior or inferior in mm-hmm. some way and losing that sense of I'm me, they're they're who they are and and we're all equal in that sense. Are you well, I are you think brisk? It's interesting? Oh, Oh, I was just going to ask if you were bristling over there, Iris, being quiet, trying not to stir up your anger. No, no, no. Well, I, I think it's interesting, you know, when uh, Charlie was talking, I thought, you know, even Mother Teresa is not Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And, right. I, and I think that's kind of actually what you're trying to get at, um, Heisey, is that, you know, I've, I've just come back from my month, you know, several month long sojourn with my guru and my enlightenment makes it such that I can't actually help you anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. actually able to be of service because I've done so much to make myself of service um, that I'm that I've set myself apart and that that feeling of I'm I'm separate from humanity it becomes that false pride humility becomes a false pride by saying I've done so much that no one could possibly reach this level with me. Yes. So as we come to a conclusion of our discussion around pride, any last thoughts or anything that you want, either of you want to offer regarding this topic of pride and humility, how we can be, how we can have pride without slipping over the line of being arrogant, how we can be humble without slipping over the line of feeling either superior or inferior.
and no. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, that's a lifelong <laughs> task. I don't know. I think that, uh, gosh, I think that... Um, so here, here's I what was... I will ask from each of you. To do a quintessence of the cards that came up, which means add the numbers together. If it's a court card, I will leave it to you as to which system you might use if you do. Uh, either court cards are zero or page is 11, night is 12, etc. So first add the four numbers together. If it's between 1 and 22, stop. If it's mm-hmm. over 22, reduce it down again. And what we're getting is the quintessence is the major arcana card that will give it a nice little bow for what has come up here for you today. Having to do a... Oh, I got the lovers. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is that the most... Uh, so I guess what I would say would... Uh, um, that the... Um, if you look at the lover's card and it's the... Uh, well, I guess I should use this deck. Uh, in this deck, it is... Um, there's the, In this deck, there's a, um, a young man on the street. It's based, sort of based on the old Marseille version. He's on the street and there's a woman... Um, uh, a harlot. <laughs> She's lifting her skirts on one side of him, and on the other side of him, there's a chaste woman, um, uh, you know, slipping away into a, a building, and she has one like one finger, I think, over her over her lips. So it's sort of like choosing between this virtuous woman and this you know woman who lacks virtue. Um, and so I think that the choice is constantly being made <laughs> to uh, about where how much do I put myself out how much do I do I I I I hold back in in, in mystery and um and I think that the other answer because it's the lover's card is that other people are very grounding around this topic and 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 will be very useful as a barometer for how close to or far from the, the, the sweet spot we might be. And if you're in a place of healthy confidence and self-pride and you're surrounding yourself with, with, with good folks, then they are going to support you. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and you will note that they are, they are on board with you. And if you are a megalomaniac, if you're the hierophant that Stella pulled earlier and uh, completely alone, <laughs> you're not going to be able to, to catch yourself or, you know, so I think uh, so. The two things there: constantly getting to choose between uh, each day who you want to be, and then also um, the, uh, the 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 presence of others is very useful. They're the canary in the mine. Hmm. All right, and Iris, for you, um, I ended up with the chariot. I mean, I figured out my math correctly. And uh, um, assuming that's correct, I, I, I think that the, the real question um, behind this, this activity is who is driving? Is, mm-hmm. is it the, um, the need to feed the ego with pride? Is that what's driving? Is it that um, your ego in particular wants to prove itself to be the most humble? And that um, the need to show humility is driving. What is the actual motivation 
behind even making the assessment of am I proud of myself? Do I have pride in this identity, this activity? Is it motivated by um, an actual sense of self or is it motivated by the need to prove something? And then sort of the other side of the chariot for me is always, are you moving forward? Is there something here that's actually being accomplished? Because the the proof is in the pudding, you might say, um, and you can tell where you've been by the tracks behind you. And so if you're continuing to act and to move forward and to make accomplishments, then that's how you can judge whether or not you should be prideful. Um, but if you've been sitting in the same mud puddle for a while, probably now's not the time for pride. All right. Interesting that you have the chariot because that is the one uh, major arcana card that I think typifies pride for a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see, um, you can tell a lot about a reader's sort of personality and particular goals when they start talking about it. Because you'll have the readers say like, "Oh, you know, pride, uh, like the chariot, it's being in the driver's seat," or you'll you'll, you'll hear people like, "Oh, the chariot, this is when you're just mowing people down and <laughs> and oh, riding over others and." How just like a man, you know, whatever. (laughs) Well, Stella Iris, we would like to say thank you for being willing to join us this evening to to talk about this. Uh, I I, I think it's something that isn't normally the kind of thing we talk about. We can we can use the word pride, but we don't necessarily kind of spend a lot of time thinking about what it is and all that kind of thing. So thank you for being willing to engage in this exercise with us this evening. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I will remind people, if you would like to meet Stella Iris or if you would like to take advantage of a reading with her. You can find her at the Sacred Well, located in Oakland, California. Uh, And I would encourage you to either stop in there or you can look up information about her on the website, sacredwell.com. And you can book an appointment with her in person or on the phone. Uh, And we would like to say thank you very much for being here with us this evening. Well, thank thank you again. It really was a lot of fun. And if you are listening and still thinking about perhaps getting a reading during the show this evening, I would encourage you to Skype in or call 646-716-5510 in order to get into the queue for that. We're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we will jump in and start doing some readings for the people that are currently waiting on the line. You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle.
of the show where you, the listener, have an opportunity to receive a reading live on the air with Charlie and myself. So we are going to go to our first caller, uh, if if you will allow me to, Charlie Harrington. Sure, go for it. Excellent. Uh, and this is someone who is calling from area code 336. Are you there, caller in area code 336? Yes. Welcome to the show. Uh, can you tell us what your name is and where you're calling from? Yes, uh, my name is Dee, and I'm calling from North Carolina. North Carolina? Wow, it is late there. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. How can we help? Well, I really don't have a specific question, but... Um, First time calling and listening to the show. I just, um, if any, you know, see anything coming up in um, the next month. I, I know I'm getting ready to go on a trip uh, mm-hmm. this week. So I'm kind of very excited. I, uh, I've been very, I feel like there's a change with this trip that I'm getting ready to take. I'm going to to Washington, D.C. to visit my son. And, you know, anything y'all pick up, I really appreciate it. Excellent. Yeah, let's take a look at that. I'm going to pull four cards. Could Um, I quickly ask what what the the day and month of your birth is? Yes, um, September 10th, 64. All right. Take a look here. Pull that card. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So you got, um, so I don't know if you know much about tarot, but there's the major arcana and the minor arcana. And minor arcana are little just sort of general life things. And major arcana are really big, powerful transformation things. They're like the more iconic cards. And you, of the four cards, you pulled all, well, I pulled all major arcana. So, yes, 
this trip or this time in your life is very, very, very transformative. Um, so the card that rules over the past is the devil card. And so that suggests that you're coming out of a period of feeling oppressed or feeling like there was a darkness um, or a dark time in your life or a real struggle to overcome something in your life can be can be a very um, restraining time, a few time where um, maybe I'm going over. Do, do, do you resonate or relate to that in any um, way, the idea of trying to tr- uh, transition away from yes. a really oppressive time? Okay. And yes, what's, what's interesting is the card that represents your present. So, so you getting ready to go on this trip and kind of being aware that there's a big change going on is the card of the high priestess, uh, the Pope S. Um, and this is the card of um, psychic information. And um, for this card to be here, it means that you're not tricking yourself. You're not you're not deluding yourself. Something really big and, and powerful is changing in your life. This trip will be significant. Um, uh, and the, um, the high priestess represents you're just you're you're aware. Um, right now of what you'd like to change and what where, what you see being the benefit of that. Does that relate? Yes, it really okay. does. Yes. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so the high, high priestess definitely is the psychic card. So if you're feeling like you're getting a message, um, uh-huh. you are getting the message. If this has been the moon card, I'd say, um, you're kind of, that's an illusion. Don't worry about that. But you got the high priestess card. Your future is the card of justice, which is in this, reading in this position with these cards very positive justice can kind of go either way sometimes but justice here it's opposite of the devil card and it represents um a cutting away of of the things and living right living the way you know you're supposed to sometimes the the justice card um there can be a sense of like um you know that what's right and wrong, and mm-hmm. the um, the layout suggests that in the past you were accepting things that you know knew weren't good for you, or that you were accepting in your life things that were not helpful for you or or, or uplifting, and that is changing. And at the on the other side of this trip, there will be an important transformation, and you're going to be in your own power. Um, now, okay, here's an interesting card. So the, the fourth card represents what should you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, okay, uh, the card is interesting. It's the death card, which is not, in this case, a literal anything. Do not, do, I mean, that is not what's going on here. So the death card represents let it go, letting go, letting letting old situations go and not taking mm-hmm. things with you. So if you see this trip, you know, this this time in your life as a transition, it's important that you start fresh and don't take into this next part of your life anything that represented something that oppressed you or any person that was oppressive to you in the past. Um, does, uh, so the death card, it is sort of the like, this is a this is a punctuation moment. Um, it's right below the high priestess, which represents you 
are aware within you are aware of what has been harmful you have been your eyes are open now about mm-hmm. what um what it is time to get rid of and it's so important it's very important that in the next in the few month the next months after the trip um after that uh you get rid of anything that it was getting in your way and you sort of you you act the way you 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 really really want to like you really know you're supposed to and don't let other people make you do something you don't want to do does that make sense do you relate to that yes i do I relate to that all of it everything you're saying yes oh, right on <laughs> but um actually, that's what i've been kind of getting to i just I'm not saying I'm crazy. I've <laughs> some no, things no. I know that really change. I know I can I can feel it, mm-hmm. and uh, I just you know. So yeah, for me in my reading, I don't know how he's going to tell you what he sees, but um, for me, four cards. So there's 78 cards, and only 22 of them are majors. And you pulled well for you that four majors well, came out. This is a big time. It so might feel really huge. And so one one other thing. Um, just to say before I, I turn you over to High C, is that um, during these big, momentous, in, intense times, uh, self-care is very important. So mm-hmm. making sure that you're eating right <laughs> and getting enough sleep um, and not overexerting yourself uh, because these these can be uh, tumultuous times. So that's all. Okay. I'm gonna, I don't. That's not a warning. There's nothing dark there that I see. Like the the card in front behind you is dark, and the card in front of you is bright. Okay. The high C has some things well. that he has have been revealed to him. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So, similar to what Charlie said in terms of four major cards come up, I've pulled five cards. Three out of the five cards are major arcana cards. So majority of them are major arcana. Therefore. Uh, we see reiterated this idea that this seems to be a, a major turning point in your life um, and that there are some some big lessons to learn and this is your opportunity to really show whether you have been doing the work to learn the lessons and to make the shifts and to embody and take on what those lessons had to offer you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The big themes I would say here are similar to what Charlie was getting because it is about starting to let go and move on and free yourself from what has happened in the past and perhaps in particular how you have defined yourself or how you have limited yourself and perhaps a tendency towards thinking that those limitations were... um, we we want to blame other people and other things outside of us for those rather than seeing how we might be a part of that self-limiting thought process or behavior. And so this is your chance to start coming into your own and redefining who you are and stepping into being yourself in the world rather than seeing yourself defined by the the roles that you play or the titles that you carry in the world. So one of these, I think, is around the idea of mother. And 
this may be a trip where it's kind of your opportunity to recognize you no longer have to be the mother to your children mm-hmm. and allow them to or recognize they are now able to do for themselves. Therefore, you can start to live your life the way you want to rather than martyring yourself or giving things up in order for them to have something or thinking that you need to be there or whatever at the expense of living your own life. Okay. So use this opportunity and this time to start seeing where you give power away, where you tend to martyr yourself and throw yourself on the sword for other people, and have the strength and the courage to start to stand up and say, but this is who I want to be, this is what I want to do, this is how I want to live my life, and it's okay for me to say no once in a while. Yes. I don't have to be defined by what has happened to me in the past. There's cards here that would we're not denying that there have been some very real and probably some very painful and serious things that you have been victimized by or, or involved in some way with. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be defined by that. So, you know, it's like the five year old that was abused, now that they're forty they don't have to continue to define themselves as the abused child. Right. They can they can choose to move beyond that. We're not ignoring or denying what happened, but we're not giving it the power to define us and continue to have power over how we act, how we see in the world, um how how we fear in the world. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a part of what we're seeing here is have the strength now to start opening yourself up more to things that you may have felt you couldn't or you shouldn't or you're not supposed to or that there has been fear built around them because of how things have happened in the past. But have that strength and that courage and that confidence to step out on your own to step across some of those lines and say, I'm not going to let anyone or anything else tell me who to be, what I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do, uh, how I'm supposed to conform or live or be in the world. I'm going to now start fully being myself and and living according to that that comes from me rather than that that comes from my definition based on what other people need or want me to be. Okay, this sounds awesome. <laughs> I just It is it is awesome. Yeah. The key is you have to embrace it and take hold of it and say that's how I'm going to live and how I'm going to be mm-hmm. rather than that'll be awesome when that happens to me. It's not about right. happening to you. It's about you owning it and saying I'm going to be this. I'm going to make this happen. This is how I'm now going to choose to live my life rather than something outside of you needing to give you permission or allow that to be the way that you live. Exactly, yes. Wow. That was a great reading. Thank you. Right on. (laughs) 
cool. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for your patience and staying up quite late. Well, <laughs> it was worth it. Reading. Hopefully, it gives you a, a lovely to time. Sleep on. Yes. Have a lovely time in Washington D.C. Thank you very much. Yes. And come back a changed woman. I will, and I'll let you know. I'll I'll try to catch you again. Hopefully. All right. Well, we're That's here every okay. month, second Tuesday. <laughs> second Tuesday every month. Okay. It's true. It's All right true. then. All right. All right. Thanks. Good night. Thanks. Good night. And so, Charlie, that will bring us again to the conclusion of yet another episode in the ongoing saga of the Amethyst Oracle, <laughs> Divination with a Queer Twist. Must come to an end. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed our philosophical debates about um, pride and humility. And I, I just felt like I probably should say that um, if you like this technique... Um, you might like the writings of Rachel Pollack, and she talks a lot about this type of reading where you're, you're you're looking for greater wisdom. And if you like the writings of Rachel Pollack already, or, or um, she is right now uh, in a medical battle with uh, lymphatic cancer, and do, the prognosis is good. She's doing really well, but because of the uh, detrimental treatments or the, the devastating treatments that she has to put her body through, um, some of her students have created an Indiegogo campaign to help her financially while she is healing and recuperating and repairing herself. Uh, and so uh, it would be a one, you know, if you want to, you're, you're free to go to the Indiegogo campaign for her and, uh, make a donation to help out someone who has really contributed a lot to divination. Yes, we we and we wish Rachel Pollock well mm-hmm. over the next few months as she continues her treatment. Yeah, I pulled a card for her and I got the magician card, so so she will do do very well. Take the magic pill, Rachel. Take the magic pill. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, and thank you to you, Charlie, for being here. And we will remind people that we are here every month, second Tuesday of the month for the Amethyst Oracle. So we will be here again um, for your listening pleasure Mm -hmm. (laughs) in July, on Tuesday, July 14th. So we invite you to join us once again for uh, another episode. And until then, may your road be paved with gold and your air be full of magic. The Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist Divination with a Queer Twist The Amethyst Oracle Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Revolution with High Sue Lucknow, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.